Thanks, Bruce. Come up and looking forward to hearing uh, what Bruce is going to share with us. Bruce can probably tell you a little bit about who he is and what he does, um, but obviously can obviously said he's from Compassion, and and we'll unfold that a little bit as the night goes on. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks, mate. Thank you very much. Um, Andy could probably tell you much more about me than I'd probably want him to, but uh, that that's a, what what happened at Greenpoint stays at Greenpoint. Exactly. Um, Hey, look, I, I don't know if you're one of those people like me sometimes that you come to church and um, then you go home and someone says to you, how was church? You go, oh, it was great. It was great. What was the sermon about? And you go, yeah, can't quite remember. I'm going to give you all the answers up front. Okay, so here, here is what, this, what the sermon is about so that you can kind of go home and go, I, I've got it completely nailed. Uh, so God always has and always will reach out to the broken. We got that? Say it to the person beside you. God always has and always will reach out to the broken. That's, that's the first half of it. And the second half of it is, as God's children, we share his character. So say that to the person beside you. As God's children... We share his character, and so we reach out to the broken. And so we reach out to the broken. There you are. Now, do you want to hear the sermon, or is that, is that enough? Oh, there we go. <laughs> hey, um, thanks, Elijah, Elijah, for that. There you are. Uh, thanks. <laughs> Deuteronomy is a really hard word to say. Um, <laughs> you did well. You did well. Um, and uh, look, I don't know if you've ever read from the book of Deuteronomy before. It's in the Old Testament, and for a lot of people, they kind of don't go to the Old Testament very often. Uh, but we're going to go there tonight. We're going to have a look there. So if you've got your Bible in your hand or you've got it on your device, I'm actually going to get you to go there tonight. So Deuteronomy chapter 24. We're not going to get there just yet, but have it ready to go. Have it ready to go. One of the things that, uh, for those of you who know me um, and have kind of met me, you'll know that uh, I have a background as a school teacher. And one of the things I've discovered about kids, and and I've travelled in different countries in the world, and I've discovered that kids are the same wherever you go. Uh, It doesn't matter what socioeconomic background you have in Australia. uh, It doesn't matter what country you go to. Kids love to play. They love to laugh. They love to have games. They love stories. Um, They love to enjoy themselves and they love their parents. Same the world over. And we are blessed in Australia that our kids grow up with a wonderful hope for their future. They they grow up with an exciting expectation of what their lives will be like. You you ask any child, what do you want to be when you grow up? They'll tell you that, probably a fireman or something like that, and it changes over time. But we do as the same, we are the same as well. So whether you're still in high school and thinking about the future or you've finished high school and you're you're kind of planning for the future or you're a parent and you're thinking about your child's future or a grandparent and thinking about your grandchildren's future, we have 
a positive expectation. And we have that expectation because we can be confident in the country that we live in. We can be confident that education is available to our kids. We can be confident that when they get sick, they can go to the doctor. We can be confident that they can have a dream and pursue that dream towards getting a job that is a secure job that allows them over time to have a family and have their own kids. Now, would you say that's pretty normal expectation here in Australia? Yeah, I I think so. Um, Kids are the same the world over, but kids' circumstances aren't the same the world over. Our kids in Australia, we live with hope. We live with hope of a good life. But many children don't live with that kind of hope. They don't live with an expectation of education or health or fresh water or a job in the future because it's so far outside of their own circumstances. They've never seen it from their parents. They've never seen it in their families. And it's not that they don't dare to hope. It's that it's just completely outside of their whole experience. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about how God reaches out to kids like that. So what I'm going to do as we do that, I'm going to do something. Now, you might be the kind of person who multitasks very well. If that's you, you're going to like this next thing. If you're the kind of person who doesn't multitask and you get distracted by one thing and then you can't listen to something else at the same time, you're going to hate this. Okay? So I have in my hand profiles of children from Indonesia who Compassion is working with right now. I'm going to split this pile. I'm going to pass it around for you to look at while I'm talking. Uh, You can see the, the child's photo on the front and you can read their story on the back. Help me out here though. If you're the kind of person who is completely distracted by this, just pass it on. Uh, if you're the kind of person who can multitask really well, um, have a read and have a listen at the same time. And if one of these kids strikes you as that's something really special or significant about this child and they're really reaching out to me, hold on to the profile, don't pass it on, um, and then we can chat about it at the end. Does that sound all right? Okay. All right, we're going to split that pile. It's kind of sort of half even. We'll see how we go. So even though kids all around the world kind of are the same, but their experiences and their circumstances are really different, there is one thing that they all have in common. And it's back to our big theme. God knows them. God loves them. He cares about their circumstances He cares about their situation and he reaches into their circumstances to change it. For those of you who know compassion, you'll know that compassion works with children who are the poorest of the poor. The most disaffected and broken kids and families in the world. Children 
like Kezia. So Kezia is from Indonesia, uh, where we've been talking about tonight. She's nine years old. When Kezia was one year old, her family made the decision that they could not afford to keep her in their family. They, they, they just couldn't support Kezia and her biological brother and sister, and so they gave her away from their family. What a tragic circumstance for a parent to make. What a, what a decision. They, they felt they had no choice and no alternative. They adopted her to another family. Now, in Indonesia, adoption isn't the same as we understand adoption here. Uh, when we have adoption here in Australia, we think about um, a family, they, they bring a child into their family, that child becomes their own and is, is privileged to have all of the things that their own biological children have. In Indonesia, adoption is much more like what we would call fostering here in Australia, where you, the child may stay for a long time or the child may stay for a short time. So from the very beginning, Kezia's circumstances were difficult in that she was given to a family who sponsored, uh, sorry, who adopted her, um, but took her out of a sense of obligation rather than out of a sense of compassion. And Kezia lived with that family up until the beginning of this year. Um, tragically, for a second time, Kezia had to leave a family. And she had to leave that family because it became apparent that they were not caring for her well and, in fact, they were abusing her. At that moment, Kezia could have been like many other children in Indonesia. Children as young as three and four and five are living on the streets in Indonesia, thousands of children because there's no government support for children in circumstances like that. And I've, I've seen firsthand children living on the streets under the, inverted commas, care of people who teach them how to beg uh, and give them just enough to survive but actually are exploiting those kids. At the beginning of this year, at the age of nine, Kezia was poised to be one of those kids on the streets. But it didn't happen. Because what happened at the beginning of this year was the church who lives, who, who is down the road from where Kezia lives, heard about her circumstances. And they heard about her circumstances through the lady in the yellow T-shirt. That lady is a teacher at Kezia's school. She heard about what was happening and because of her love of Jesus, she went to the pastors in her church and said, we have to do something for Kezia. We have to do something for her. And the, the, the church runs a compassion program, so they're very familiar with caring for children in desperate need. And they said, of course, come in to the program uh, and uh, we'll make sure that you are fed, we'll make sure that you are cared for, we'll make sure that you're protected and that will make sure that you have a future so that you can dream the way Australian kids can dream about their future. But she still had nowhere to live. 
That photo was taken outside of Kezia's teacher's house, where Kezia now lives. So that, that lady, out of her, her love and care that models Jesus, brought Kezia into her family. And we had the privilege of spending a whole morning with Kezia. She's as bright as a button. You can't see it there, but she's a very happy young girl. And her whole circumstance has been changed because of the love of people who love Jesus. And that's a, it's a wonderful story. And there are many, many stories just like Kezia's. And it's not an unusual story because God's people have been about his work and his care for a really long time. All right, remember I told you to get the book of Deuteronomy out? Here we go. A little bit of background. Some of you will be familiar with this and some of you, this will be new information for you. In the Old Testament, the whole Old Testament covers the story of the people of Israel. And at one point, the people of Israel all ended up in slavery in Egypt. And they all ended up in terrible circumstances for hundreds of years. They ended up, out of their desperation, calling and crying out to God to be rescued. And God, because God reaches out to the broken, reached out to his people. And he rescued them out of Egypt. Do you remember the parting of the Red Sea? When, when the people were rescued, he... He rescued them, but even in their disobedience, he still loved them. And they walked around the desert for 40 years with a promise in their minds. And their promise would be that God said, I will make you my people. I will give you a place that you can live that will be your place and my place together. And I will be your king and rule over you. And that place was called the promised land. So after 40 years of wandering around the desert, the people of Israel are standing on the edge of the promised land. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. It's not in Indonesia. Oh, we've gone one too far. We just back up to the picture, Lisa. Anyway, <laughs> there we are. There we are. Now this is this is the promised land today. It's not what it was like for the people of Israel. They didn't have buildings and cars and things back then. But that's the same place. So they're standing on the edge of the promised land, and God says, "As you get ready to go to live in the promised land." You are going to be my people in my place living under my rule, under my kingship. You are going to be an example to all of the other countries around you of what a wonderful, loving God looks like. And so to be that example, I'm going to give you some laws and those laws will reflect my character. And that was what we were reading about tonight. Uh, and if you have Deuteronomy 24 open, we were reading about for the people of Israel what it would look like for them as they live in the promised land to care for people in need who live amongst them. 
And it talks about a whole lot of things, but towards the end, the last few verses, it talks about if you own a field and you have wheat in that field, you thresh it. I don't know much about threshing. Apparently you cut some stuff off and that's the good stuff and you leave the rest behind. But when you are threshing, there's always bits that fall on the ground. What God said to the people of Israel as a, as a law, do not go back and pick up the bits that you miss. They're not for you. When you pick the grapes off your grapevines, you're going to miss some grapes. Don't go back a second time and pick all those grapes. When you go to your olive trees and you pick your olives, you're going to miss some. Don't go back a second time. And in fact, in another part of the book of Deuteronomy, God says, in fact, I want you to preserve an edge all around your fields that you never touch. All of that is not yours. That is left for the poor. That is left for the widow and the orphan and the foreigner. That is my provision for them because I am a good God. Because I care about the broken. I care about the destitute. I care about the poor. And so in my, in my world, in my land, people will know that. And so the people of Israel were given that instruction before they went into the promised land. And God said, I'm actually even going to tell you why I have this law. And I'll see if I can get it to work again this time. No, can we just advance it one? There we are. So in Deuteronomy 24, verse 18, God says, You remember when you were a slave back in Egypt? I rescued you. And the word is redeemed you. I redeemed you from your brokenness, from your situation. I reached out to you when you cried out to me. Because of that... That's why I'm commanding you to do this. I am a God who reaches out to the broken and you're my people, therefore you care for the broken as well. So that was the law for the people of Israel as they went into the promised land. They went in, they lived there. How do you think it went? How do you think it went for the poor and the destitute? Not well. Not well, because the people of Israel didn't follow God's law. They didn't follow his rules. And in fact, they, they gathered for themselves. And one of the judgments against the people of Israel, as God talks about further on in the Old Testament, is that you didn't care for the poor. That you, you weren't, didn't show justice for those who needed your justice. And so God condemns the people of Israel because they are not following his character. See, the people of Israel, their motivation was obligation. They, they felt obliged to keep God's laws. And because that was their motivation, they didn't keep it. But then something changed. In fact, everything changed. Because God said, enough of this my law shows my character and who I am but you can't keep the law you don't want to keep the law you're so broken 
You can't keep it. So I'm going to do something radical. I am going to come and I am going to take the punishment you deserve for not keeping my law. And I am going to put a new heart in you. I promise that someone will come and when that person comes, everything will change because you won't have, and and the prophet Ezekiel calls this, there we are, you won't have a heart of stone anymore. You'll have a heart of flesh. You will change to be like me. You will change to love the things that I love. You will change to be compassionate like I am compassionate. You will change to be caring like I am caring. You will change to reach out to the broken the way that I reached out to you when you were in Egypt. Because you'll be my child, not just somebody who obeys my law. And we know that that change only came about because of Jesus. At the moment that Jesus died on the cross, all of the old changed and all of the new came. Some of you will know that the term, the old covenant, the old agreement, and the new covenant, the new agreement. And at that point where we willingly come to Jesus, he changes us, his spirit enters us and we have his character. So today we don't live under obligation. We don't live under the law. We live as God's children. And as God's children, we are about the things that he is about. We share his character. We, sh- we love the things that he loves. So God said, remember Egypt? That's different. We remember Jesus. The people of Israel were redeemed from Egypt, but they lived under the law. We're redeemed from the brokenness of our sin, and we live under grace. We live under God's good care for us. And because his spirit enters us, gives us a heart of flesh, not a heart of stone, we share his character. We share his love and care for the broken. Broken children need love. Uh, Lisa, I'm going to go two more. We're going to find the, the, this boy. Which, go back one, sorry. This boy, his name is Pascal. Uh, Pascal also is in Indonesia. I met him earlier this year. Pascal is 16 years old. When Pascal was eight, his dad, and that's his dad beside him, was diagnosed with diabetes and had to give up his job as a driver. Now, in Indonesia, if you've ever been to Indonesia, there are lots of cars and lots of them are like a little van and that's like a taxi. Um, And so lots of people make their living just by driving these taxis around. That's what Pascal's dad did. Until he was diagnosed with diabetes and he could not continue in that job. He didn't have any alternatives. There was no alternative. There was no other job for him. 
And so the circumstances of his family became desperate. And as I was talking to, to Pascal's dad, he said, I was terrified at that moment that Pascal would be swayed by the boys in the neighbourhood um, and he would go to stealing and he would join a gang um, and he would uh, seek to get some kind of future in that way. The local church that lives just down the road from them heard about their circumstances and they invited Pascal to come into the Compassion Program when he was eight years old. And on that day, for Pascal, every single thing changed. He went from a boy who had no future and no prospect of uh, having food or education or even clothing or medicine to being a boy who was known and loved and protected and cared for by his local church. In fact, his whole family was. And his dad, when I was speaking to his dad, his dad was telling me through tears, I'm so thankful to Jesus because Jesus came to my family through the local church. Where Pascal and his dad are standing is, um, and it, it's this tiny, tiny little room on the side of their house. And you can see just behind them, there's, it looks like a shop. It actually is a shop. Um, one of the things that the local church was able to do was to um, help them to begin a shop in their own home that's kind of like a... Now, some of you older members of the church will know this. You remember the corner store? Remember what the corner store was? It was like that little shop down the road, just around the corner, not at the supermarket or anything, where you could go and buy stuff when you forgot stuff. Um, that's what this is like. And so the family has a future and they can survive. Something else happened in all of this. The, the um, Compassion Centre at the church discovered Pascal has a passion for cooking, a passion for it. And so they have been helping him to develop his passion so that he can have a future and a career as a chef. So he's almost finished school and he's gone to a vocational training program in the vacation. I got that right? Vocation in the vacation, in the holidays, um, where he's learning how to cook with a view to become an apprentice in one of the large motels in town. Um, and on the day that we visited Pascal, on the next picture, he cooked for us. Now, let me tell you, that was the best Nazi goring I have ever tasted. Um, but even more exciting than the food, and I'm very excited by food, as you can tell, um, have a look on his face. That's pride. Right? That he's able to contribute. He's able to support his family. He has a future that he didn't have before. And he was, uh, Pascal was showing me the letters from his sponsor who was just praising him because of uh, what's happening in his life and, and how he's, he's growing. I know many of you sponsor kids already. Um, some of you sponsor one. Some of you sponsor many. Um, I want to be a little bit bold tonight. I want to ask you two questions. One question is for everybody, and the other question is probably just for some of you. First question 
You remember that God reaches out to the broken. Are you reaching out to the broken? What are you doing? If you are God's child and you share God's heart, are you reaching out to the broken? Now, it might be that tonight is your opportunity to do that. Tonight is the opportunity, as you've seen kids go around um, and it's read their profiles, that you said, tonight is the night we sponsor a child. Tonight is the night we expand our family to include a child. For some of you, and this is where I'm being bold, I know, for some of you, it might not just be one child. It might be multiple children. And tonight might be the night that you can say, our, our arms are big enough to support a number of children whose circumstances are terrible. And we can be part of being Jesus to them. I had the opportunity, and I've had it a few times, to go to the home of a child on the day they found out they had a sponsor. Can I tell you, after getting married and seeing my own kids born, that is the most spectacular thing I've ever done. I want to share it with you. And so I'm going to play just a very short video of a little girl called Asti. Asti lives in Thailand, not in Indonesia, in Thailand. And we were there on the day that Asti found out she had a sponsor. Tuhan akan memberikan yang terbaik buat keluarga ini. Ada sukacita, Asti keluarganya Asti mendapat sponsor dan ini surat dari sponsor yang buat Asti. Terima kasih banyak. Mereka, anak-anak itu merasa dekat dengan sponsornya dan jadi ketika mereka. You doing okay? God reaches out to the broken. He reaches out to those to the to the fatherless to the oppressed, to the poor. And he reaches out through us, his church. That's how he does it. I want to encourage you to share Jesus' heart for the poor. To be part of transforming a life of a child.
Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you that you don't just leave us to ourselves. We thank you that you love us so much that you sent your own son. You didn't even hold him back so that you could redeem us from our brokenness and our sinfulness. And Lord, we know that in the brokenness of this world, there are so many whose circumstances are so dire and you continue to reach out through to them through your body, which is your church. Lord, we thank you for that privilege and we pray that you break our heart for the things that break your heart. Amen.